I'm kidding. I didn't listen to Donda, y'all. I didn't listen to Donda. <laughs> don't even try and come at me. I don't listen to Kanye. But I know a lot of you guys did listen to Kanye. Hope you enjoyed it. Me and Dante did not listen. We listened to Certified Lover Boy. More on that in a second. But anyways, thank you guys for joining us for yet another week of the show. So good to be here. So good to join you, to come in your ears every week, give y'all some hot content. We love it. If you guys are new to the show, this show is all about bringing together different perspectives. Your boy Dante and I, we talk about politics, pop culture, entertainment, and music. There's always something for everybody on this show. Sometimes it gets heated. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we laugh the whole time. It's a mixed bag on this show. We love it. Y'all love it. Thank you for listening. If you guys want to get in touch with the show, we have a link in the description where you guys can send us an anonymous question. It is truly anonymous. We don't know where these letters are coming from or who they're coming from. So please attach whatever state you're sending it in from so we can, I guess, connect a state to a listener, I guess. Dante, Hot Boy Summer coming to an end. How are you this week? Y'all, we got to put up the boats. There's no more boats out here. Hot Boy Summer's coming to an end. Sad. Hate to see it go. Miss driving the boat. You know, real hot boy shit. (laughs) City boys are always up in my book. Now, let me stop being toxic, man. Let me stop being toxic. (laughs) Justin, what's going on with it? You turn the boat in for the season? Yeah, the boat is done. Winter is coming, as they always say. So I have to enjoy the last few moments of the weather being the way it is in Texas, because soon before you know it, it's going to get cold and there won't be any boats to be driven. So (laughs) um, I enjoyed myself this weekend. I hope you guys enjoyed your Labor Day. I hope you enjoyed being off from work. We enjoyed our holiday. So it's always good. We're coming to you at 9.51 p.m., 10.51 in New Jersey, where Dante is at. It's late, but we always try and come on here to make sure we give y'all an episode every single week. And here we are. So nobody can say we're being lazy, okay? No, we ain't lazy. We're workhorses over here. You know, we're Capricorns, baby. The stars align. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, hope you guys are doing well. Feel free to like, subscribe, leave us a rating, leave us a review. So many of you guys listen to the show, but you have not left us a rating. You have not left us a review. We hate to see it. We hate to see it. How can you call yourself a fan of the show and you haven't let us know what you think of the show? Whether that's leaving a review, leaving a rating, following us on Instagram, um, leaving us a anonymous question. Come on now. Come on now. But um, nevertheless, for those of y'all that send stuff in, we appreciate it. If you haven't, we still love you too because you're listening at the end of the day. Shout out to all the secret fans out there that listen every week. We know you. Actually, we don't know you, but we know you listen. So there's that. (laughs) You shall forever remain nameless. Doesn't matter. Yes. Thank you for listening anyway, though. Right. Keep listening anyway. But let's get into, I guess, listener questions, right? Yes, sir. So this week we have an anonymous listener question. I can't stress that enough. And I know y'all probably get tired of Justin and I saying it, but it's very true. Stuff is anonymous. We do not know who's sending this in unless you put your name on it. If you want to do that, that's fine. But I I like the anonymity of it. I think it's cool. People feel more comfortable that way. But let's get into it. So listener wrote in. Just curious, when you guys think of Spanish music, what artists or songs come to mind? Also, do you guys ever listen to music in a different language that you don't understand? I've been finding myself listening to Brazilian artists, even though I don't understand Portuguese. Thank you for the Mm. question. And uh, Justin, I'll let you take that one first. 
Yeah, thank you for the question. Y'all ask us some interesting questions. So, so what do you guys think of Spanish music? Spanish music is good. I think all music is good. So for me, I'm really not selective or picky when it comes to music. If it sounds good, if I like the beat, I'm going to listen to it. Definitely, I thought it was fun. I like the beat. So that's my stance when it comes to music. I don't really listen to Spanish music, but when I think of Spanish artists, I think of Rosalia, I think of Bad Bunny. (laughs) I don't know. That's who I think of when I think of Spanish music becky g is another one that i think of there's a lot of good spanish musicians out there that make good music do i need to expand my palette when it comes to their music absolutely because there's so much good stuff um usually i tend to listen to music in a language that i can understand because i think part of music is understanding the lyrics and connecting the lyrics to the sounds that you hear that way you have more connection to the music so that's part of the reason why i listen to you know, music in English because I speak English. So nothing against Spanish or any other language out there. That's just how I view music, I guess. But I do need to expand my horizons. If there is a Spanish artist that you want us to listen to, let us know. Every week, me and Dante have a weekly playlist of music that we listen to. So we will be sure to include that if something catches our eye. Shakira. I love Shakira. So there you go. You can't get any more Spanish than Shakira, I guess. But that's my <laughs> that's my stance, I guess, on the question. Yo, Shakira. So, like, when you talk about what comes to mind, I think of Spanish music. Yeah, Shakira is definitely one of them. Um, you know, I'm showing my age here a little bit, but Daddy Yankee for sure. Gasolina. Well, that was my shit back oh, in the day. Oh, yeah. That Come was on my now. shit. But Shakira, man, like, I, I've always liked Shakira. Um, whenever, whenever. <laughs> <laughs> or um, Hips Don't Lie, where she sounded like Kermit the Frog. Like, I'm on tonight, you know, my hips don't lie. That's my shit, man. I'm on tonight, you know, my hips don't lie. Um, but like more contemporary artists like i don't know i never gave bad bunny a chance i can't sit here and lie to y'all and say that i will um you know like just said you put us on something i'll give it i'll give it a try um but i've really i've been fucking with caliucci for eight years now like i i really enjoy her music if you if you just started learning about her hearing about her because they play her on the radio now go check out her one of her first mixtapes called drunken babble it's i still listen to it to this day it's from like 2013 i still listen mm-hmm. to it to this day it's so good but yeah i've listened to music in uh different languages before i listen to some stuff in french french and spanish that's probably it and sometimes i think it's good like justin said to expand your palette you know justin bieber invented afro beats so maybe i should check that out a little bit more now <laughs> allegedly <laughs> Hey. Allegedly, that's what the streets are saying. I don't co-sign that, but hey, I don't want no smoke. <laughs> but yeah, no. Thank I you for know. the question. Yeah, if you send us in a send us in some <laughs> recommendations, you know, you you wrote this question, send us in some recommendations, and uh, we'll be happy to check it out. Yeah, and send us more questions too. We love hearing from you guys, so it's our way of connecting to you guys and directly answering your questions. So you just might be lucky, and you might hear your question answered on air. So, but yeah, Dante, let's get into off my chest. Justin's gotta give it off his chest. Dante has got to give it off his chest. Justin and Dante gotta get it off their chest. Right. Thank you, Julia. So this week and off my chest, Dante, would you like to go first this week? What I want to get off my chest is something I think that, you know, an opinion I've expressed before on here is that just because something is new, just because something is the newest thing on the block does not mean it's the greatest, does not mean it's the best. And I really think that people need to calm down with all the talk of, oh, this is classic. This is great. This is goat. 
Like we've watered down those terms so much that they literally mean nothing. Like a Drake album can't be out for 30 minutes. And people are like, oh, it's the album of the year. It's one of the best albums ever. Like the album takes an hour, 12 minutes to listen to. So obviously you haven't listened to it. You, sometimes you need to digest, listen back to it. Like, does it have replay value or is it just, okay, I listened to it once. It was cool. Is it on the level of some of the, the artist's previous work? People, including myself, I am people, still listen to Take Care, without a doubt. <laughs> I still bump Take Care. I still bump, if you're reading this too late, nothing was the same. I can tell you I haven't played Views in a long time. I don't even have uh, Scorpion on my phone or um, the October Zone playlist, whatever that one was, where he was British. We got to stop saying that just because something's new, what's the goat? Like I saw uh, it got it went viral and NBA player Trey Young tweeted, are we going to stop acting like Drake isn't better than Jay-Z? And people were getting at him. And I'm like, deservedly so, man. Deservedly so. No, I think it's recency bias. I think a lot of times when you grow up in a certain generation, whoever's popping while you're growing up, that's who you idolize. That's who you put respect on. Like, I know that there's certain artists that did not grow up during my time, but I still appreciate them as legends. Janet Jackson is one of those people. Madonna is one of those people. Prince is one of those people. I didn't grow up with them during my time, but I still appreciate that they're legends. And I'm not going to disrespect them by saying somebody in this current era is better than them because it's not true without this person that came before there would be no drake there would be no whoever you're trying to compare to but i actually disagree with your first point talking about how just because something's come out recently that doesn't make it great that's true but at the same time whenever you listen to something for the first time you can tell whether it's good or not there's been albums that have come out and within the first hour of me listening i'm like that's a great album sometimes people's excitement over a new album blurs the actual thoughts and feelings of the album and whether it's good or not because sometimes you get excited and you're like oh this is amazing but there are some times where i do listen to music and i'm like yes first listen this is amazing now you can definitely tell quality on a listen that's for sure but i'm saying if you haven't gave something a full spin around the sun recency bias i guess is is a good way to describe it but i think we need to let stuff sit and digest before we're just going off and saying hey this is the best ever stuff like that takes time like there's a reason people are still you know ranking what's going on as the best album of all time this shit came out 50 years ago and what you said about the artist thing too that's that's super interesting because i definitely believe that an artist can be great like i think drake is a great artist but i think that the people that are saying these things about, you know, the people right now, they don't they haven't gone back and listened to the people from the past that are revered to gain that knowledge, and understanding of why they are that way. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think that a lot of times people overlook the people that came in the past, whether they think their music is boring or it's not what's popping right now. So they really don't give them the respect that they deserve. But I try and put respect on all of the legends that came before because a lot of the artists that I appreciate today would not be around if it wasn't for them. So since we're talking about Drake, Drake released his album Certified Lover Boy. Everybody has been ranting and raving about it. People were excited for it to drop. I don't know if you stayed up till one in the morning to listen to it. I may or may not have been one of those people, but I did listen to the album. I was excited to listen to it because for me, I think that this album was supposed to be a legacy defining album for Drake. I gave it a run. 20, I think it was 21 tracks. I did not like it. I did not like it. I feel like Drake 
is like those hamsters in the wheel. They're spinning and spinning and spinning. Oh, shit. And they're not going anywhere. Drake is plateauing. And it's unfortunate to see because I should have known by looking at the album cover that this album wasn't going to be that good. And I should have known because the album wasn't that good in my opinion. It was bloated. There wasn't anything exciting about it. There weren't any bangers. There's one song on there called Too Sexy. It's terrible. I think it's one of the worst songs that Drake <laughs> has ever released. I'm sorry. It's not good. And I'm not going to be on the hype train of Drake even though everybody loves him you know I love the good stuff and he did not deliver the goods with this album it's unfortunate because I feel like after releasing so many disappointing albums I do think there comes a time where we have to reevaluate somebody's legacy we call Drake a legend but I feel like at a certain point we have to be critical about the art that he's releasing because even though I don't like Kanye I think that Kanye is more interesting and pushes the envelope more than Drake Drake for the stature that he has he should push the envelope more and be a game changer but more so he's sticking to what he's good at and it's not that interesting unfortunately so I'm not going to sit here and hold y'all and tell y'all any lies I did not listen to the whole thing. I've listened to like six tracks off of it. I was listening to an episode of Polar Opposite, so I stopped listening to the Drake album because it was better quality from what I listened <laughs> to so far. Um, no shade, right? Like some of the songs I listened to were pretty cool. Um, actually, let me pull up the track list right now. Um, and also, shout out to Justin for um, making fun of the Drake album cover and putting us on it. That oh, was yeah. So good. Oh, that yeah. That was so good. You know me. Um, I have to, you know. <laughs> Do what I have to do. Facts. I really like uh, Poppy's Home out of the first six songs I listened to, and that's about it. And actually, so I listened to track 11 because my shit went on shuffle on accident, and Yeba's Heartbreak is dope because it's just Yeba, and she can sing. So that was dope, but um, I'll listen to it and give you all a, my honest and full thoughts, but uh, one for six isn't a strong start, in my opinion, so... I got to see if I have to suffer through it or if it's going to take a dramatic turn and be super dope. And I'm hoping for the latter, right? I hope that it's good because, like I said, this guy's my second favorite rapper ever. So I'm hoping it's going to be good. We shall see. Yeah. On the note of talking about Drake Justin, there's a tweet that went viral. Shall we talk about it? Let's talk about it. All right. So a Twitter user at by Donna Joe said people are defending this R. Kelly credit talking about it's a sample. Okay. So Drake chose to sample his work knowing he'd have to clear it with R. Kelly and that Kelly would get a check slash royalties. He could have done away with the sample slash track. He clearly doesn't care. Super hot take. What do you think, Justin? Um, I agree with this person. Um, Drake, you know, has so many options at his fingertips. He has so many people he can sample from, you know, so many songs that he can create without using R. Kelly. And he made an active choice to include R. Kelly in this album. I don't think it was necessary. Um, and I think that anybody that's critical of Drake is justified to be critical. Because sometimes we talk about how people reach and how people always want to find the fault in everything. And I think that sometimes that is the case. But in this case, I think that people do have a right to criticize. We're in a society right now where we get to pick and choose who we want to support, who we want to give money to, what we deem appropriate and you know good behavior. And R. Kelly does not exist those things but drake you know felt comfortable to include an r kelly sample in his music and i guess that it shows that he doesn't care you know if it was me would i choose an r kelly sample i would not because r kelly is not somebody that i think that we should be supporting but drake is gonna do what he's doing at the end of the day so i have no control over him but what i can do is support or not support so at the end of the day, if you don't like the decision that somebody's making, you don't have to support them. He might have included the sample, but you don't have to stream it. 
that's the point I was going to make. I'm glad that you got to that because, yeah, you can sample it but not make money off of it. Like, do do a mixtape type thing with it. Um, I don't think that, and, you know, it's hard to interpret the tone of a tweet or a tone of a text because you're not speaking to this person and can't get their rebuttals. But I don't think that he sampled R. Kelly for the express purpose of being like, yeah, man, let's put some money in his pocket. I don't think that's the case. Right. And if I'm reading that tweet the wrong way about how she worded it, then that's my fault. But I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's what he was doing. But for sure, you know, if you're sampling somebody's work, you have to pay for their intellectual property. And if you're making money off of it, they got to get some uh, money off of that, too. I don't know what song it is. Like I said, I haven't gotten through the whole album yet. But, Justin, if you know, tell me what it is and I'll listen to it after we get done recording and give my thoughts on that, too. But I would not be out here in these streets sampling R. Kelly because don't nobody need to hear his music. He should be forgotten from history and he should be prosecuted in court like he's going through right now. I don't know. I think people are just hypocrites, honestly. We've all been hypocrites, but I think that human beings are just hypocritical. Because remember when Kanye was going through his, you know, phase of going to TMZ and talking about slavery was a choice. And there were so many people that were saying that, oh, I'll never support Kanye again. He's done. He's canceled. He's over. But as soon as he announced that he's going to release Donda, everybody quickly forgot and has amnesia. So it's interesting how that happens. As soon as he has a new project, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, Kanye, he's problematic. But hey, the music is good. The music is fire. You know, I'm going to listen so that's how people are so i don't care about kanye i don't really like his music so it's not something that i actively seek out so i have not listened to donde donde or whatever it's called i said donde donde esta whatever it's called but um <laughs> que lo que, que lo que. <laughs> i don't know i'm not going to be listening to it i don't care um i have heard one song guess who's going to jail tonight i think it's funny i haven't heard anything from that really? album i don't plan on listening to that album um so that's just where I stand on it. But you can let me know how you, what you think about it. And anybody listening to this can let me know what y'all think about it. I trust your musical opinion, Justin. And our listeners give us some good suggestions, too. Give me two tracks. I can get through two tracks. But I'm not out here supporting or checking for Kanye. I don't really fuck with his music. So I don't fuck with him as a person either. So. So we're still in off my chest, actually. So my off my chest this week is about elections having consequences. And I had this epiphany because of the, you know, abortion bill that got passed in Texas. The new law called SB8 does two major things. It bans abortions once a fetal heartbeat is detected. That's usually around six weeks into a pregnancy and well before most women know they are pregnant. The law also allows any citizen in the country to sue abortion providers or anyone who helps facilitate an abortion after the six-week time frame. That not only covers doctors and nurses, it could include, for example, taxi drivers who unknowingly drop off people at clinics. And it made me think of 2016 and how people were really playing around with that election. I remember people did not take it seriously, but I'm part of that because I never took 45 seriously either. I really thought that it was a joke. I really thought that he would go nowhere. And I was surprised whenever... Ah, 45 was put into office. Elections have consequences. I know so many, well, I don't know personally, but I heard that people were voting for Harambe, the gorilla that got shot. People were putting down a bottle of Hennessy and voting for that. And people were really playing. And then when 45 got elected and sworn in, it's like, man, what did we do? And it's more than about, you know, what he did. It's about his lasting legacy, which is what he did to the Supreme Court and what he did to our federal courts. He has stacked the federal courts with crazy conservative people that stay on for a lifetime. And after the 2014 election, Republicans gained control in the Senate. 
and Mitch McConnell stopped holding votes on nearly all of Obama's court picks, from the Supreme Court all the way down to the district courts. So when Trump took office, not only did he have a ton of vacant seats to fill, he had a Republican-controlled Senate to help fill them, quickly. In fact, Trump has appointed more circuit court judges in the first half of his first term than any other modern president. Elections have consequences because we vote for the president and the president is the one that picks who goes on the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court is the one that gets to reside over the legality of certain bills. And this bill affects all women. And it's unfortunate that whenever people don't take elections seriously, stuff like this can happen. So I'm hoping that it goes, you know, the right way. Obviously, you know, there's a big chance that that might not happen. So, you know, the midterm is coming up in 2022. So we have to stay woke and get out there and vote because we can't let something like this happen again. Elections do have consequences. And 45's lasting legacy. I, I mean, there's so many things, right? But I think the most impactful thing, rest in peace to all the people that died because of COVID and the mishandling of it by our government. It's not losing three million jobs, the first president to lose jobs instead of add jobs since the 30s. It's not that. It's the way that this man has shaped the Supreme Court and the federal court system, like you said. And that's what doesn't get talked about enough, because these are lifetime appointments and these people will use their ideologies to uphold or abolish laws that affect us every single day. And what's so hypocritical about the side that fights for this is let's just focus on Texas, but it's everywhere is that you'll say you can't tell me what to do with my body. I don't want to take a vaccine. I don't want to wear a mask. But now you're telling women what they can and cannot do with their body. Women have the right to choose. It is their body that has a fundamental right and fundamental freedom. And it should be here in this country. But it looks like we're reverting back to it not being a right uh, for women to choose what they want to do with their body. It, it's so interesting that people will go so hard and fight for a U.S. citizen or a child before they're born. So pre-birth, hey, you, we want to protect you and make sure we do all this stuff preschool and up. Nah, fuck that. Like you're on your own, buddy. We're going to change your curriculum. Make sure you don't learn things. I saw, and I don't, I'm not sure if we talked about it. If we did, I don't care because it deserves to be talked about again. I saw that a school board superintendent or something like that. I forget what state it was in, but you can guess what color. When they came to this uh, subject of kids having free lunch, he said, no, that would make kids entitled and make them lazy. Why would we give them free food? This is the only time that some kids eat. Man, it's an unfortunate thing, but it's a reality. Pre-birth, we want to protect you and give you everything because women shouldn't have the right to choose what they do with their bodies. After that, you're on your own and we're going to try and make it harder for you. Make it make sense. And the people that fought so hard for this, especially the politicians that pass this, what happens to their mistresses now when they get pregnant? They send them to they send them, uh, you know, to a blue state like California, go get an abortion and come back. Because what's so dangerous about this Texas law is it creates a system of vigilantism, meaning private citizens can sue abortion clinics for performing abortions. How does that even work? It's just a lot, man. And it, it's very, very unfortunate. And hopefully when they hear the full case, the right side of history prevails, like Justin said, and they uphold uh, Roe v. Wade. I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that 
if that was going to happen, this emergency ruling would have went the way it should have gone. But that didn't happen. So it shows me that the Supreme Court, they try and say, we're impartial. We don't take sides. But they're clearly taking a side. I don't know. I don't want to sound like a radical, but I do think there needs to be reform for the Supreme Court. That's what the fuck I'm talking about, Justin. I don't think that somebody that's born in the 1930s should have that big a say in what happens in 2021. Justice Breyer, I think, is 83 years old and is still on the Supreme Court. Many liberals and progressives have been telling him that he needs to retire and he's still wishy-washy and is not sure if he wants to retire or not. What are you waiting for? Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I've said it before and I'll say it again, she should have retired during Obama's first term and she did not. She had multiple bouts of cancer and decided to stick it through anyway. And by the time 2016 came around, it was too late. She thought that Hillary Clinton was going to win the election and she wanted to be, you know, retired under a female president. And look what happened. 45 got in and then she got scared because it's like, I don't know how long she's going to last. And then look what happened in September, right before the election, she passed away and her hubris is part of the reason why we're in this position already. I think that Supreme Court justices owe it to us to retire under the president or under the party that put them on the court in the first place to maintain balance on the court, ideologically speaking. So she didn't do that. And now look where we are. It's a 6-3 conservative to liberal majority, and we're in for a hell of a ride, and it's not going to be a good one. The way that I like to live my life is I don't want to just complain about stuff. I like to talk about solutions or brainstorm ideas on how we get to a better place. And like you said, there is a need for reform. Maybe they put in term limits there or maybe the only way I think you can make it super fair is every president that's elected gets to appoint a justice for their term. If you get elected twice then you get to appoint two justices elected, if you win once you're one term president, a loser president, no shade. <laughs> you get to right. a point one, right? Or you put age limits there. I, I don't know. Or the most radical thing you could do and what I think should happen is they need to expand the court. We're in dire straits. We see that nothing is getting done in Washington. Even if even when one party holds the trifecta, nothing is getting done because it can't work. And then if you even pass these laws, you have to worry about a biased partisan Supreme Court saying that something is unconstitutional or something that seems like it should be unconstitutional is is constitutional so i am all for expanding the supreme court the radical left the radical left because we need to protect people's rights like that that's what all this should come down to it's, it's, it shouldn't be about taking away rights from people it shouldn't be about um and justin you can correct me here but what year was that 2013 when they gutted the voting rights act mm-hmm. shouldn't be about taking away rights from people so you have 2013 we gut the voting rights act and make it harder for u.s citizens to vote 2021 now we talk about abortion might be outlawed. We're moving backwards, in my opinion, when we should be moving forward and protecting people's rights and expanding upon the rights that people have. So I don't want to hear about people talking about, you know, freedom of choice and, you know, being able to have your life, liberty and pursuit of happiness in this country. And, you know, hey, I don't have to wear a mask because it's it's my body. I don't have to take a vaccine because it's my body. You shouldn't be out here telling And we can just focus on Texas, 7 million women, what they're able to do with their body. And trust me, a lot of states are drawing up laws very identical to Texas's law because now they know they have a chance to win that battle in court. And that's where we are right now. So, Justin, we were texting as we often do. Right. Like we talk outside of this podcast just so everybody knows like we are. (laughs) We are friends. (laughs) Um, And (sighs) I saw something that 
that caught my eye. And it was a doctor in Alabama uh, said that he is going to refuse service to people who were not vaccinated. And one of his statements was, I don't care about your conspiracy theories. I don't care about the self-medication that you try to do. I'm worried about saving lives and protecting my own life. And I thought that was a, you know, a powerful statement. And Justin and I were debating back and forth about, is that ethical? Is that right? What are the parameters of that? So this will, I'll open up the floor to you, Justin. Well, for me, I think that doctors obviously, you know, they swear an oath to serve whatever patient is available to them. That's their job. I think that going into medicine is kind of like a vocation where your job, point blank, is to heal people. Your job is to use your medical expertise to help those who can't help themselves. And although you know, I don't really have sympathy for conspiracy theorists or people that try and deny that COVID exists. I don't have any sympathy for them. At the end of the day, if a patient is coming to you that needs and requires help, as a doctor, your job is to help them. So I don't agree with this doctor that is refusing service because I think that that goes against the very foundation of being a doctor. If you want to have healthcare a la carte where you're like, oh, I serve you, I serve you. I don't think that's how it works. You serve everybody or you don't become a doctor at all. That's how I see it. And we have to be specific here. Like we're talking about like general practice doctors because healthcare a la carte is for specialists. Like, you know, if you want to go get your nose done or something like that, those types of things. I have a difficult time with this one because, look, in my heart, in my mind, I know the right answer is what Justin said. I know what Justin said is correct, that you swore an oath. You have to you swore an oath to help and protect people. And that's what you should be able to do. You shouldn't be able to discriminate based on anything. Right. Sex, religion, race or opinions on COVID. But I feel for this doctor and I understand where they're coming from with the frustration and the anger about this. And I that's just how I feel like it's tough. I know what what's right. I do, but I understand where this person's coming from. And I feel, I think they have the right to feel the way that they do. I said before, and we've talked about it on here, right? If you don't believe in this thing, if you don't want to get vaccinated, whatever, I'm not arguing with you. I'm not going back and forth with you, but you should sign a waiver to say that you don't have to be treated for it because you didn't believe in it in the first place, or you didn't take the measures to help prevent it and stop the spread of it. You should sign a waiver, stay home, figure it out. And I know that's going to lead us into the next thing that, uh, Justin wanted to talk about, about Joe Rogan, everybody's favorite, everybody's favorite podcaster having it. So great. Now he he's has the, uh, he has the furthest reaching podcast in the country and probably in the world. And uh, now people are going to be drinking Evermessen. I, I forget how to pronounce it. I don't it. even know. I um, don't even know. And good luck with y'all when you are shitting out you, the lining of your intestines, because that's what's going to happen to you. It's a horse dewormer. But I'll let you take it from here. No, but speaking of what we're talking about now, I saw that everybody's favorite podcaster, Joe Rogan, got COVID. Turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it. All kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z-Pak, prednisone everything. And if anybody has listened to his show in recent weeks, or not even in recent weeks, since the pandemic began, it's almost like he's an anti-vaxxer, but keeps saying that he's not an anti-vaxxer while telling people that if you're young, COVID doesn't mean that much and that it doesn't affect you if you're young and you're healthy and everything. Kind of like dissuading people from getting the vaccine if they're young and healthy, which is dangerous because people who are young and healthy have the ability to spread the disease to other people and other people can die because of them not being vaccinated. Because I don't think that he's been vaccinated. He always talks about how his parents are vaccinated. <laughs> he never mentions how he's vaccinated or 
not vaccinated. And I think it's interesting that he now has COVID. Yeah, he's taken some like uh, experimental cocktail, the one that uh, 45 got. And it's like, okay, cool, man. If you're going to promote that to your listeners, you should also let them know that their health insurance does not cover that. And that's about $1,500 of treatment. So hopefully they have that money in the bank or you'll use that Spotify money to cover their treatments for them. It's irresponsible. And it's crazy to me that people are looking for all these solutions when we have one right in our face for free. And I don't know whose bright idea it was to start taking a horse dewormer because a parasitic infection and a viral infection are two completely different things. Hey, listen, I'm not talking to the deaf anymore, so it doesn't matter. Well, the thing is, we talk about like the vaccine is the solution, but at the same time, breakthrough cases of covid are happening. So what do you say to those people that say, what's the point of taking this vaccine if people are still getting COVID anyway? Because we're seeing more and more, some people are still coming down with COVID, even though they've been fully vaccinated. Their uh, symptoms are way less severe. And also it greatly improves your chances of survival. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson said, in case you're curious, right now, the USA, every 10 days, more than 8,000 unvaccinated Republican voters are dying of COVID-19. That's five times the rate for Democrats. If you're being irresponsible and the, the Alex Joneses and people like that and the Candy Owens of the world and telling these people that, hey, this is a hoax or, hey, this vaccine ain't about shit. It's your base that's shrinking and dying from this. Like, it seems very counterintuitive to what you're, you want to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But at the same time with Joe Rogan, I think that he has a responsibility to be responsible with what he's preaching on his podcast, because believe it or not, a lot of people follow his every word, like all of these influencers, we think, oh, influencers or whatever. But all these personalities, they have a lot of power in terms of how much control they have over their audiences and the little things that they say people pick up on and will follow even with us like we might not even think about it. But people, you know, they listen to our every word and it scares me so Sometimes because there will be people that we interact with in the DMs and there'll be something that I said like in passing on the show that I didn't even give a second thought to. And they remember that. And it's like, man, people are really listening to the show. It's not like it's just playing in the background. People are hearing every single word. And it makes me think of how responsible I have to be with the things that I say on here. I have to fact check. I have to do my research. I have to make sure that I'm coming on here in good faith and giving people an accurate, you know, portrayal of what's happening in the real world. Otherwise, a lot of people can be misinformed and think about somebody on the scale of Joe Rogan who has far more reach than we do and the damage that he can do in terms of vaccines and COVID. Yeah, I mean, the sales for ivermessin is going up. That's all I can say. But literally, there's people out there that are dying. Yeah, there's people that are dying. From shitting. That's called dysentery. We got rid of that two centuries ago. Um, so we thought. So we thought, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> scabies is going to make a comeback pretty soon. Scurvy, I don't know, man. chicken pox, you name it. it. Yeah. And like, you know, it's so funny that people talk about this, but like, you, we don't have to deal with polio anymore, right? You get your mumps, measles, and rubella shot. Like, what are we doing? I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of talking about it. Never mind. I apologize. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to wish him a speedy recovery because I don't give a fuck. Um, it's God's plan. Like I said on here at the beginning of the year, when we, when we got into the swing of things with this podcast, right? I'm mm -hmm. not wishing good on nobody. Whatever you put out in the universe is what I hope you get back. Whether that's good, whether that's bad, I hope that's what you get back because that's what you deserve. God's plan on whatever happens to him. You decide to make, um, but that's it for that. That's it for COVID. We're going to retire COVID from the show. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hold on. But before you say that and make that promise to listeners, Listen, guys, I hope we can retire COVID from this show. I really do. I'm tired of talking about it. But if 3,000 people start dying again a day, 
a topic we can't ignore. If we go into lockdown again and the economy tanks again and 30 million people lose their jobs, something we can't ignore. Um, whatever. I'm not telling people what to do. So in some sports news, our fave Naomi Osaka, the U.S. Open is upon us. And Naomi, she got to the third round and then she got knocked out. If anybody follows tennis, Naomi Osaka won the U.S. Open last year. If you guys notice, for each round that she won, she was wearing a different mask. And on the mask, it had a victim of police violence on it. So in a way, she was playing in honor of the fallen victims of police brutality. And she got to wear all the masks that she came with. And she won the tournament. So it was great to see um, this time around. You know, she's been struggling a lot with her mental health and she came back to the U.S. Open. She got knocked out in the third round. And in her press conference, she was obviously emotional because it seems like she's under a lot of pressure. She was like, I'm not sure when I'm going to return to tennis again, but I think I'm going to take a break. I honestly don't know when I'm going to play my next tennis match. I think I'm going to take a break from playing for a while. Osaka's decision coming after a grueling three-set defeat in the third round at the U.S. Open against teenager Layla Annie Fernandez. The tennis superstar seen slamming her racket to the ground. Now she says she needs a break from the pressures of the sport. When I win, I don't feel happy. I feel more like a relief. Um... And then when I lose, I feel very sad. And I don't, I don't think that's normal. And this girl is going through it, Dante. So whatever she's dealing with, I don't know what it is, but it just made me realize the amount of pressure that these athletes are under. And what she said that really stuck out at me was when I win, I don't feel happy. I feel relieved. And when I lose, I feel horrible. And I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. And it got me thinking about how we make all of these athletes like a Cinderella story where it's rags to riches, where you're starting from the bottom, you come out on top and win a championship and you're America's favorite. And then with winning comes expectation. With expectation comes pressure. And with pressure comes a lot of weight on your mental health. And it goes to show that a lot of these athletes are human at the end of the day. So when we think of Serena, when we think of Roger Federer, when we think of Djokovic, these people, it only shows how great they are because with all those odds and all those pressures and everybody rooting against them, they still found a way to win. So for Naomi, for her to say that whenever I win, I don't feel happy, I feel relieved, it's sad because I feel like in a way they're forced to continue that winning streak because endorsements are on the line and all this money and all these handlers and all of this, it's a lot. So I put myself in her shoes and I'm like, I couldn't handle what all these athletes are going Going through and it's crazy i think that that quote that you read from her and her not being you know loving this and enjoying it the same way and like it sounds like she's dreading it it sounds like you know she's taking a step away and it's very needed for her and i hope that she's able to come back because before leaving i mean she's the best player in the world um, but to fall out of love with something she dedicated her whole life to, I mean, that has to suck. And I can't imagine mentally what she's going through right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I hope that her, you know, break doesn't lead to a permanent retirement because that would be so unfortunate that something that she loved turned into something that she hated. You know, maybe she loved it more before the money got involved. Right. Maybe she loved it for the game that it was. But like you said, 
expectations create pressure and now you have to worry about sponsors and doing this type of interview and doing this type of press event and all this stuff. And she probably just wants to go out there and play. Like she might be happier going to a park wherever she lives at and just playing tennis with some kids as opposed to playing on a stage, playing for money, playing for titles and legacy and all that stuff. And your rank too, number one player, number two, number three, and maintaining your rank and playing all these tournaments and everybody, you know, rooting against you because you're one of the top players. And, and it's hard because think about it whenever you're a top player all the people that are you know ranked lower than you you're their number one target so whenever they play you they give it their best every single time so you're having to play against that every single time on top of the media on top of the scrutiny on top of the endorsements and trying to you know maintain that it's a lot so a lot of these athletes i feel for them and it gives them another level of respect for me because a lot of times people don't believe that athletes deserve grace or respect and i think that they do so whenever people say lebron shut up and dribble i don't agree with that you're not just an athlete you're a human being and i think sometimes we don't even look at them as humans we look at them as superhuman and sometimes when they lose it's like oh my gosh you're human yeah they are human people lose serena didn't win every single grand slam you know nobody wins 100 percent of the time and nobody should have that pressure on them do what you love. And if you don't love it anymore, you should stop. Like I kind of relate in some way, even though I don't, I'm trying to like interject into something that I don't relate to. I'm obviously not an athlete, (laughs) but you know, with this podcast, I've always said that this podcast is something that's just for fun for me. And if it ever became work, I wouldn't do it anymore because I don't want it to become a job and it shouldn't be a job or something that's laborious to do. You know, I enjoy, you know, talking to Dante every week. You know, I said a lot, I kind of, talked in circles but y'all you'll see where i'm coming from right so um <laughs> he took you on the scenic route there he wanted you to yeah. see all the trees and all the streams and everything <laughs> we gave <laughs> you all the runaround but i always circle back because sometimes i tell y'all i start sentences and i'm not sure where they're gonna end so i just keep talking until it makes sense somehow and i think i just did that again when i just spoke but nevertheless um let's you know give some grace to these athletes and treat them as humans and Stop putting so much pressure on them because nobody can live under that because I will speak for myself. I'm not good under pressure. I remember my exams from college finals and everything. I'm not good under pressure. But, you know, to each their own. Some people thrive on that. I'm one of those people who doesn't. So that's okay. You wrote down the NFL starting this week. What did you have to say about that? Welcome back. This is going to be the last Sunday. Well, we just passed the last Sunday that we're going to have without football in our lives until February. You know, mm-hmm. I know Justin's from Texas and, you know, yes, the, the, the high school football stadiums are bigger than a lot of stadiums for other things in many other parts of the country. Like it's a religion in Texas. Very football. true. Very true. Um, so, you know, I just wanted to, to talk about. Oh, so another uh, interesting thing that the NFL is doing to curb and fight COVID. Right. If a player gets on that COVID exposure list or, you know, gets diagnosed with COVID, you're out at least 10 days. So players will be missing games this season. And I, yeah. I think that the NFL doesn't care who, what your profile is like. I don't think they care if it's Tom Brady and the Super Bowl is in nine days and his is the day the Super Bowl is the day before his 10 days is up. He ain't playing, man. I think they're serious about this. So 
Well, it's going to be interesting to see if games get forfeited and how many games players miss because of this and how that affects wins, loss records and everything. I mean, it's putting another level of pressure on these players because it's like there's no bubble. So they're going out after a game, going to their families, going to get togethers and everything. So I don't know. A lot of them have to kind of like stay away from people because if they get a positive test, they're out 10 days and they will not play in that game. So a lot of these key players if they're out, that's going to significantly affect their chances of winning that game. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Like, you know, luckily, I don't think there was any forfeitures for games last year. There almost was because a couple teams, they were having some crazy COVID scares. But this time around, the NFL is not playing. And don't act like the NFL is all good. And they're like, oh, we're trying to fight COVID. No, they're trying to fight for their coins. So that's oh, what it is. protecting the bag. Of course. 100%. Yeah. No, That's what it's about idiots. at the end of the day. Like, they don't care about COVID. They care about that coins because COVID will affect their ability to continue making money. So if these players are out here being reckless and are coming down with positive tests, they will not play. So I hope that everybody is healthy because I don't want to see my team lose key players because the Cowboys, we've already lost a few key players and coaches already. And it hasn't even been the first game of the season yet because we're going to be playing on Thursday. You know, they love putting us in prime time. I don't know. You know, America's team, you know, we do what we do. But um, <laughs> it is what it is. But I'm looking forward to this season. I'm going to see how Dak comes back from his injury. And I don't think he's been throwing. So it's going to be interesting to see how his arm and shoulder is going to hold up. But, you know, I'll watch. You know, I'm not as invested as I used to be when it comes to football because, it's not healthy because the way I used to watch football, it used to be crazy. So I've calmed down quite a bit, but I'm still a fan at the end of the day. Never a bandwagon. I'm not like Dante, but I root for my team heavy. Uh, never been a bandwagon fan. It's, it's, it's interesting that you said, you know, it isn't healthy the way you used to watch football. And I guess it's not because, I mean, you were emotionally putting yourself through a lot for a team that hasn't won anything since you've been alive. And, right. you know, I can sympathize with that because I was in that same boat until, you know, my team did win a Super Bowl while I was alive in my lifetime. And we're not just talking about things that happened uh, when Bill Clinton was in his first term as president. So I completely understand that. And I'm glad that you saw the light and you took a step back and it's not religion for you anymore. You can actually enjoy football for being football and you're not letting the Cowboys break your heart and get your expectations up every year anymore. Oh, I love never. growth. I love all of that stuff, man. We it's, do. It's, it's good. It's so good. We love that. We call that growth. We call that. <laughs> I don't even know what we call it. We call it growth for sure. But I, yeah, I don't let the Cowboys affect my blood pressure anymore. Anymore. Just like uh, when Birdman came into the, the studio at the Breakfast Club. I am messing with y'all. No more. No more. And then he's sitting there with his arms crossed. <laughs> and Jaleese making that face like, what the hell is going on? Anyway, but yeah, the Cowboys, I'm not letting them mess with me. No more. No more. Put some respect on my boys, okay? So, <laughs> um, whatever team you root for, guys, um, I hope that everybody is healthy. Let's hope that this football season is eventful. And yeah, now we can end on this. So, you know, this is around the time. I don't know if we talked about this already, but this is around the time that the NFL announces who's going to be performing at the NFL halftime show in February at the Super Bowl. And initially, I thought it was going to be Drake. I talked to a couple friends and I've changed my opinion. I no longer think that it's going to be Drake. The person who I think is going to be performing at the Super Bowl in February is Ed Sheeran. I mean, why would they do that? <laughs> what, I don't know. What? 
I mean, he meets the criteria for a Super Bowl halftime show, internationally famous, hits. Does he have feel-good songs that, like, it's going to be a slow dance at the Super Bowl halftime show? He has some upbeat songs, and you don't need that many upbeat songs for the halftime show because it's only 12 minutes. So if he has, like, two or three, that's enough, and then he can end on a ballad with some fireworks and call it a halftime show. I mean, I personally don't care if he does a halftime show. I mean, because I, I, the beautiful thing about the age we live in now and technology, I can change the channel. <laughs> um, I'm not here for Ed Sheeran on my radio. I'm not here for him at my Super Bowl. I'm not here for Ed Sheeran concert. I've been there, done that at Ed Sheeran concert. It's the worst concert I've ever been to. So I'm good on all that. And I don't like his new weekend persona that he's trying to do in that music video that he came out where he's basically being white weekend. It's crazy. Mm, so I'm good on all that. I'm good on all that. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Ed Sheeran. I hope I'm wrong, too. I hope it's Drake, because that'll be interesting for them to make a rapper a headliner. And I think that Drake is the perfect person to break the ice in terms of allowing a rapper to headline the Super Bowl, because he has the appeal. He has pop hits. He has reggae hits. He has, you know, so many different types of genres that he delves into. I think that Drake is universal. So I think that he'd be a good choice. But Ed Sheeran is also palatable to a lot of audiences. So you know, he seems like a perfect safe choice for the Super Bowl. And I think that that's who it's going to be. So I hope that I'm wrong, too. But if my uh, spidey senses are correct, it is going to be Ed Sheeran. But we shall see in the next couple weeks, we will get an announcement and then we'll talk about it on the show. But we'll see. I can't wait for that episode. I can't <laughs> wait. Because I really I hope can't. you're wrong. <laughs> Oh, I, I know. I trust me. I hope I'm wrong too. But if he is the choice, you know, I'll watch it. We'll judge it. We'll talk about it, and you know, we'll give our opinions as we always do. So let's let's take bets on it. So you you're betting. I mean, we're not like actually doing a bet, but like your spidey senses are telling you that it's going to be Ed Sheeran. Uh huh. I think they're going to go with a legacy act, like another old act, like how they did the Chili Peppers and all that stuff. I don't know who that's going to be, but I think they're going to go for a legacy act. The Weeknd had a recent album, and he's a contemporary pick for the Super Bowl, considering the year that he was having. So I think that that was a perfect pick that made sense. Ed Sheeran just released this new single, and I think he has an album that's going to come out recently. So with everything he's built thus far in his career, it's perfect for them to go Ed Sheeran's route for the Super Bowl. Same with Drake. He just released a album just now that will need to be promoted in february with a huge super bowl halftime show he would be a perfect choice right now it's usually people that have like a recent project that they're about to drop or they have dropped recently that they end up going with for the halftime show and it could be either of them or it can be somebody out of left field so we'll see i think it might be miley cyrus because she has mm, she fits no. all the boxes no. and if the, this, i'm not predicting this but i'm i think it would just be so funny and interesting and cause such a stir if they were like, fuck it, and <laughs> gave it to little Nas X, yo, that Hell would be amazing. No. The The world would lose its mind. No, I mean, that that would be one that's out of left field, but I don't think that Lil Nas X is even close to being big enough to ever headline a halftime show. I can see him doing a guest appearance, but definitely not a headliner. Miley Cyrus? No. <laughs> what is she going to perform Hannah Montana songs? I'm I'm good. I don't what? think they'll give it to Miley. Miley's not big enough to do a halftime show. Do you see her album sales? It's not good. I think Dua Lipa has a better chance of headlining a Super Bowl than Miley Cyrus does at this point. Look, she makes good music, man. I'm here for Dua Lipa. That's just my opinion. I'm here for it. I'm not saying I want her to do the halftime show. I'm just saying, like, I like her music. So, I don't know. We'll see. I hope you're wrong about Ed Sheeran. Like, I can't stress that enough. I hope you're wrong. 
But let us know who you guys want to see at the Super Bowl halftime show. Are we running out of legends? Who are the icons of today that can headline a show and do it justice? Um, are they going to pair two people together like they did with Shakira and JLo? I like that, but I think that each one of them could have done it on their own. But I'm glad that, you know, it worked out. I would rather see Shakira because JLo, I'm not here for. Um, <laughs> no shade. Shade, all shade. I don't even care. All shade. <laughs> um, it's so good talking to you guys every week. Um, y'all talk to us. Y'all leave us a review. A rating would be great. It would be fantastic. A review, you know, an anonymous question here or there, a DM or two. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Enjoy your week, you guys. All right, perfect. So like I always say, go tell your friends to tell their friends about it. If you like the show, spread the word. Word of mouth is still the most powerful endorsement and marketing that you can give somebody. So if you like the show, tell somebody about it. Maybe they'll like it. Maybe they won't, but at least they listen. And, you know, like uh, like Justin's goat says, call me crazy shit. At least you call him. So, um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this has been another episode of Polar Opposites for Justin. I'm Dante. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. See ya. Bye, guys. Bye.